podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Live in the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely, lovely, lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on? What is happening? Uh, well, I uh, I'm officially training uh, yes. for our um, our our race of sorts. Uh, although I know it won't be judged on speed, but on Twitter today we. Uh, we, we tweeted about, uh, uh, who might run more like yeah. a dad, you or me. And, uh, and people seem to be into the idea. So I think in, within the next, what, week or two, we'll record each other yeah. running, uh, and, um, play it side by side and, and it'll be up to the people, up to the audience to see who runs more like a dad. So that doesn't necessarily mean faster or slower. I don't no, know. I don't it's just, think it's just who has um, the, the swiftness of a of a dad like runner. Who, 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 who looks who looks most like a dad when they're running? Is is the real, it's it's not about speed. It's not about it's it's who is running most. Like, who's who's pumping their arms more? That's usually that's usually the number one thing that you look for with the dad runners. Who's just. Who's who's really pushing that upper body? Whereas you know, good runners, good fast runners are are lower, but they they can just they can just move very very like swift, flawlessly, swift, swiftly on the low. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So this is this is more about letting people see us in action since we talk about dad runners all the time. Yeah, I, I've been who told, will be the. Yeah, I've been told by my brother in law that I run like a dad, so I'm kind of afraid. I think that I, oh, man. I might actually just be, and and I'm also a dad, and I'm like five years older than you, so. Yeah, I mean, there's that. <laughs> there, there's, I mean, you, I mean, you're definitely the favorite to be the dad runner. I'll, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fake it. I'm not gonna just be a dad runner just to make you feel better. I'm going to run the way that I would run regardless. I know, I, and then, I want and then we'll to, just go from there. Yeah, no, I, I want, I want you to, but I will say that it'll be an upset, like, like a, uh, like a, like a rocky type upset if, if I win and you, and you are named the dad runner. It would be that would be rough. That would be tough for me to a, a tough pill to swallow. It would be, I know. As because everyone knows now that I'm a 27 year old podcaster with you, right? And right. I, being being a 27 year old dad runner would be something that that would be kind of depressing. But hey, you don't live in your grandmother's basement like 80 percent of fantasy Twitter, so that's you know, that's true. You have that going for that's, you. That's very true. <laughs> so yeah, we'll do we'll over the hopefully before uh, kickoff uh, NFL kickoff day third that thursday game between the steelers and patriots we'll have a video up we'll have our week one streamers that episode up and with that episode hopefully we'll have a video of us running like like dads because i mean we're both gonna run like dads a little a little bit at least right yeah yeah i mean like i I told you and and when we started talking about this i gotta start ramping up my interval training like i need to i need to start sprinting more I, all, all I do is I run uh, through the really rich part of, of our community um, a, as fast as I can for as long as I can until I want to fall over. And that's my workout. That's that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I 
I've I've been running more this summer than I have, or just in general than I have other years. So hopefully that will make. But the thing is, it doesn't matter how good of shape you are. Like if you're a dad runner, you're a dad runner. Like it's not about. It, I mean, it sort of is about speed. Whenever you're at like the NFL level, of course. Like if you're Dre Archer, it doesn't matter if you're if you're if you're if you look like you're running like a dad because you're running at four two speeds. But for us, we're slow regardless. So it doesn't really matter. Oh yeah, no, like we're, we're so slow. We're gonna be so slow. It's gonna be hilarious. I just yeah, I just know. It. Um, it's gonna be great. But the other, the other, the other piece of news that I do want to throw out there uh, with with us and what we're doing with living the stream uh, is there's a, an, a, a late round QB.com slash shop, and it's a place where you can get T-shirts. Living the we talked about this on the last podcast, but you can actually get living the stream T-shirts now. I just opened up a shop on Spreadshirt. And if any of you guys have any ideas of what more of, of any more t-shirts to put up there, let us know on Twitter at LiveTheStreamFF. But all proceeds, everything that we make, is going to No Kid Hungry. So we're we're doing it for a good cause. It's gonna be fun. We figured it ties into to dads, right? Yeah. Because they're children. Yeah, it's so, it's so yeah, go go ahead. You you I know you were the one who uh, who came up with the with the uh, picking the charity side yeah right and and uh I, and also i mean people walking around wearing uh, you know dad runner shirts i mean how good is that for our hashtag brand hashtag oh phenomenal yeah i mean that's clearly our our, our number one priority <laughs> here is to make sure that our brand is associated with dad running. we're branding you that's what <laughs> exactly <laughs> like cattle yes yes but yeah, so you know, head over to lateroundqb.com slash shop. Uh, there's like a, a living the stream logo on a t-shirt, which has been pop the most popular so far. Uh, some people have bought dad runner shirts. I think we're gonna put a, a Ruffle Wilson shirt up there, a Jason Witness fat shirt, and then probably some. I'll Photoshop some sort of picture of Alex Smith uh, with a halo around his head for for, for Jesus you know for Jesus because that's 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 where we went on this podcast and it's just kind of stuck, which. It's kind of shameful in a way, you know. Just, just having that. Ha- I mean, but, gr- growing growing up growing up a, a Christian boy, and then now now saying that Alex Smith is Jesus. Right, right. Yeah, no. My uh, my my strict uh, Baptist high school would not be pleased with this development. But yeah, no, not at all. If my mom listened to Living <laughs> the Stream, she would be she would be very right. upset. But luckily, she doesn't touch fantasy. If football. my parents knew that I did. If I if they knew that I did any of this, then uh, then you know they would be upset probably. <laughs> good point. Very think, good point. I mean, there's many worse things that we've done in in this fantasy football world than call than call Alex Smith Jesus. Right. You know, and, and people seem to. I mean, look, I've, I haven't seen any backlash yet, and people seem to embrace it. So we're not the only horrible people. All right. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's not like we're like being bad to the religion. Like we're it's just it's a clear joke, yeah. Right? Like it's just it's a joke. It's we're just we're just having fun. We don't actually think that Alex Smith is the savior of mankind. Okay. Right, guys. Just we don't believe. Except that. for in it's, good matchups, that's it. Though. In good matchups, he sometimes can be. Yeah. Except last year against the Steelers. Oh, never. That was that was one of the worst. That was our last stream of the year. Uh, he he really failed us. What, what, he had three hundred and twenty yards and no touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, he just didn't. He couldn't throw. They were down in the red zone like forty-eight times, and then he couldn't throw a touchdown. That's uh, that's Staff uh, Fordian. Uh, uh, oh, Stafford, yeah. I think, had the ultimate no touchdown game like three years ago mm-hmm. against the Falcons. He, yeah. he threw for like four hundred and twenty yards and yeah. touchdowns. How? 
I remember yeah. that. I remember that. Yeah, it's it's the most frustrating thing in the world. You get the right process, but you know that touchdowns correlate so strongly to that fantasy output. If they don't have it, then it's not a good sign. Not a good sign at all. That's the game that Albert Wilson kind of went off. Oh, right, except for no touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, except for no touchdowns because those wide receivers didn't score touchdowns. So anyway, those are the two things. We're going to run like dads, and there's a shop on LateRoundQB.com. If you need that link, I'll probably pin it then to our to our Twitter account. But yeah. Uh, check that out. Right. And uh, our celebrity, yeah. our celebrity uh, spokesman, uh, Tom Everett Scott, has already bought yes. a T-shirt out, out of he the has. store. Yes. So, uh, you know, make like Tom Everett Scott and go buy a shirt. Yeah, and I expect Tom. I expect a picture of you on set wearing your dad runner shirt or living the stream shirt, whichever one. You I, I think I'd pass out. Yeah, oh, it'd be incredible. <laughs> Um, so today, uh, you know, it's not going to be any sort of like crazy strategy podcast where it's kind of like a, it's kind of a flag planning podcast, guys that we're high on that we're targeting a lot in fantasy drafts that hopefully will help you all, whether, even if you already had your draft, you can trade for these guys. But if you have drafts coming up this weekend or the weekend after, uh, target these guys cause we like them and we are always right. Always. And also I like how you said this won't be about any crazy strategy, which is actually all of our shows. It's like. All of the episodes of Living the Stream are about crazy strategy. <laughs> every every single episode that we do is about it. it's, it's stupid. Yeah. Like, why are we doing this with our lives? Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know Jesus take the wheel um, approach. Yes, quite literally. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yes, literally. <laughs> uh, all right. So basically, you know, Denny Denny and I came with a few guys that we'll touch on uh, hopefully for twenty twenty five minutes, and then we'll get into Twitter questions as we always do. So Denny. Why don't you kick it off with a guy that you've been targeting a lot in fantasy drafts this year? Yeah, well, I, I, did, I didn't really mean for this to happen, but it just keeps happening where I I end up with Jonathan Stewart, um, who is going off the board at RB20. Um, and I, I never really uh, thought I'd say that because um, I've never I've never been like a, a Stewart truther, if that's a thing. I think it was like two years ago. Um, but he's been, you know, he's been hurt so often. It's it's hard to even remember uh, until the end of last year. It was hard to remember what he was like, you know, when when, when right, he was right. good and when he was healthy. Um, but I think that his ADP of RB twenty um, reflects that injury, uh, you know, that that injury risk slash terror that fantasy owners probably rightfully feel about him. Right? Um, I think that without that injury history. Um, he would easily be going at RB15 or, or higher, um, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> just some stats on him. Uh, when, the, when the Panthers, when, when he was finally healthy uh, late last year and the Panthers uh, changed their, you know, who they were offensively instead of, um, you know, flinging it around the field all day um, and they kept it on the ground more, uh, more over, the, over the last month, he averaged uh, 97 rushing yards on 18 uh, carries over the final four weeks, and that doesn't include his 124-yard performance uh, in the playoffs against Arizona. So, you know, when they adopted that new offensive look, he was really a, a focal point, and he wasn't piling on touchdowns, but I think that as the workhorse in a, in a pretty decent offense, those touchdowns will come. Uh, and I know Cam is a, uh, Cam Newton is a, uh, a red zone threat, always a red zone running threat. Um, but I, I don't worry that too much about that at, at Stewart's price. You know, I just, I find him very appealing. I find him, you know, his viability, uh, makes me, helps me confidently 
draft two wide receivers off the top. You know, say if if I if I can get like you know Julio and Cobb off the top, and mm-hmm. and I can get Stewart later because I, I think you know uh, my my fantasy equity scores on on the fake football. Um, I have um, I have Stewart with a a ceiling, a high equity score of RB eight. So I mm-hmm. I believe that he can be a a low end um, you know RB one. Yeah, I mean the volume in the situation is definitely there for him. The thing that you know, the thing that you have to worry about with Stewart, I think, is just you know they have offensive line issues, uh, and then obviously the Kelvin Benjamin injury. You that it, that goes both ways. It's kind of the same deal with like Arian Foster when when Arian Foster went down with DeAndre Hopkins. It's like you got kind of have to weigh what that actually what impact that has because he might see more volume, let's say, at the expense of efficiency, which I think both sides are a little bit overblown when something like that happens. Uh, and the same could be said with Jonathan Stewart, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm, I definitely, I have so much Jonathan Stewart and, and MFL tens, for instance, uh, just because I've drafted so many there that it's easy for me to reference, but, uh, I totally, totally am for that pick. Yeah. How, how um, about you? Who, who are you? Uh, which, yeah. yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll stick, I'll stick at the running back position with a guy that kind of is being drafted around the same time that Jonathan Stewart is. And that is Mark Ingram. Uh, I've been I've been kind of high on Mark Ingram compared to the to the rest of the, the the analysts out there. It seems like throughout the whole off season, it's not because I'm low on C.J. Spiller either. I think C.J. Spiller can certainly uh, reach his value as well in PPR leagues where he's being drafted and maybe that late third and he's dropping a little bit more because of his injury. But the thing with Ingram is that you know he was obviously really good last year. He finished last season eighth out of the seventeen two hundred plus attempt running backs in rushing net expected points per rush, which is the efficiency metric we use at number fire. Um, and, and he was one of the better backs in terms of success rate. Success rate to me is something that's really, really important with running backs because it, it essentially doesn't look at, you know, a large play skewing those expected points results. So for instance, Andre Ellington, well, I'll talk about him a little bit later, uh, but Andre Ellington's rookie season where he was highly efficient he had a terrible success rate. So essentially, he was really, really efficient when he touched the ball, but that's because it was a cumulative efficiency. It was because he was able to get 80-yard touchdowns, let's say, uh, but at the same time, his success rate was low because he was also getting a lot of one- and two-yard gains, which don't contribute positively for his team. So Ingram, a bruiser, you know, he can he can gain those chunks of yards. That's why he has a high success rate, but that's really good for a running back. It keeps him on the field. Um Last season, he had nine top 24 performances in PPR leagues, which was only only bested by nine running backs. Uh, and each of those running backs, other than Arian Foster, that had more top 24, 24 performances, played in more games than Mark Ingram did. Because remember last year, Mark Ingram, I think it was a hand injury that he was out with. Um, so, I mean, the thing with that is like he's, he's not necessarily going to see the same volume per game as he did last year because of the injuries that occurred in that backfield with like Pierre Thomas and Kyrie Robinson. Uh, so, you know, he might not see the same per game touches, uh, but let's ju- let's also remember that the Saints may just naturally run the ball a little bit more this season, given their offseason moves. You know, e- even if it's in a slightest bit uh, more more running, it's going to help Ingram. And then uh, at the same time, uh, I think we all know that Spiller wasn't necessarily brought in to run the football and pound the rock. He was there to to play that Pierre Thomas role, probably catch a little bit more passes and not run as much as Pierre Thomas did. And then lastly, the two things is that he plays in, in an efficient offense, whereas, I mean, everyone thinks that Drew Brees sucked last year for some reason when he didn't. He was still a top five quarterback. Uh, not, I'm not talking about fantasy. I'm talking about real football. Uh, and then, you know, 
that creates a lot of touchdowns, touchdown opportunity for Mark Ingram. He has he has double digit touchdown upside, and you're getting him at the three four turn, and that's phenomenal to have that kind of upside. He carried the ball within the five yard line more than any other running back last year, three more times than Demarco Murray, in fact. And those opportunities are not going to change. If anything, they're going to get better because Jimmy Graham, their biggest red zone threat, is no longer there. So. Mark Ingram's touchdown potential is just through the roof, which is a huge reason that I like him this season. But I think he's a lock if he's healthy to get 200 plus carries as well. Yeah, I I think 200 is probably conservative, and and, and I think that that's a good point. Uh, the the Jimmy Graham point is a great point because, um, you know, <clears throat> their their red zone uh, options included, uh, hey Jimmy, uh, uh, do a, a five a five yard button hook into the end zone and. We'll- Right. We're just, just going to throw it high, and you go and go ahead and catch it. Um, and right. they don't have that anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'd be I'd be surprised if Ingram doesn't get double digit touchdowns in that offense. Yeah. So who's who's your next dude? Um, Ryan Matthews. Uh, I know that he's not exactly cheap right now, um, but uh, there are a few things that I, I you know make me. I just. I don't know. I can't. I can't seem to pass him up um, at, at his ADP. <clears throat> First of all, he's not a strict backup to Demarco Murray. Um, I think the the team has made that clear. Um, the team seems. Uh, the Eagles seem pretty uh, keen on making sure that Murray uh, doesn't crap out after a huge workload last year. Um, so you know, I've seen. I've seen beat writers say. You know, Matthews is locked in for 25% or 30% uh, of, of the Eagles' carries. Now, um, two years ago, the Eagles ran the ball um, 500 times. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's when, they're, that's when that Chip Kelly offense was, um, you know, was much better than it was in 2014, obviously. Um, uh, so um, if they can get back to that, um, you know, um, I think that, that the Matthews can serve as can have some weekly service uh, usefulness from a fantasy standpoint, and, and in the case of uh, Murray injury, uh, he is for me just an absolute locked in top top seven or eight running back every week. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, and and so I'm not banking on a Murray injury there. Um, I mean, I, I can get. I think Matthews is going in the eighth round now, so. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 I don't know. I just I think that if uh, you know if they get back to those running ways where they're running it 500 times or more, um, I think that Matthews will have standalone standalone value. And it's also worth noting, and, and you know that we talk a lot about numbers, obviously on on this show, but um, it's it, it's worth noting that uh, the Eagles and Chip Kelly were interested in Ryan Matthews uh, well before. DeMarco Murray, it was clear that DeMarco Murray was going to be available uh, right. in free agency. Um, so, you know, that I just don't think that, that that's something that we can we can ignore. So I I, I do find myself, um, you know, having Matthews on my bench just to start the year, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be useful. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy, like, I understand his allure in season long 100%. I, I own an ungodly amount of him in best ball really, leagues. Really, really. Just because, I mean, if you think about that offense and the way that Chip, Pe- Chip Kelly might be a little bit unpredictable in terms of week-to-week ways of using his backs like he has in the past, you know, 
how he used Chris Pohl close to the goal line, for instance, yeah. and sometimes Darren Sproles and so on. So I think because of that, he's like the ideal best ball running back, like the perfect best ball running back because he could still easily get, even with DeMarco playing, he could still get 150 carries this year. He probably That's probably a, a projection uh, for him. So so I think, I mean, I totally understand the allure in season long though as well. I don't think it's, I don't think he's as good in season long as he would be in best ball, but he's certainly still a value in season long. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, who, who's, who, who would say that, you know, week one, they come out against Atlanta and, and Matthews gets 15 carries. I mean, who, who would anybody be shocked by that? I, I wouldn't be. No, not at all. Not at all. And the, the other, I mean, it's in an efficient offense. And the thing is, it's so ridiculous. People don't like Ryan Matthews has been a good running back. Like it, it's just, it's just early in his career. He had those injury problems when he plays, he's been good yeah. last season. It was like night and day in terms of how, uh, in terms of running back efficiency in that offense compared, compared, comparing him to like Donald Brown and Brandon Oliver. I understand we're comparing him to, to two scrubs, but at the same time, it was just so dramatic. The differences in their efficiency that it just goes to show that Ryan Matthews is the real deal at running back, and that's the reason that the Eagles wanted them. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I just, I, I just find myself at that point in the draft. I look at him and I look at other options, and I think uh, this is this is kind of a no brainer for me. I, I'm going to yeah. take. It's that it's that dead area in drafts. You can't you can't blame anyone for taking basically anyone <laughs> in those in that area. So right. So I'll uh, I'll stick to the same team. Actually, I'm going to get into a quarterback and a guy that I'm going to try to target, but I admittedly haven't as much as I would like so far, uh, is Sam Bradford. Mm. Uh, I think I think he's kind of the ideal late-round quarterback, uh, given the fact that like Eli and Ryan Tannehill are moving up a little bit in drafts. Because uh, essentially, you're looking for two things when you're drafting your late-round quarterback. You're looking for season-long upside, and you're looking for a good early-season schedule. Mm-hmm. And Bradford has both of those things, because last year, the Eagles quarterbacks finished as low-end QB1s in fantasy, uh, and that was with Nick Foles and Mark Sanchez. And I think that you can make a pretty easy argument that Sam Bradford's more talented than both of those players. Um, and to start the year, the Eagles get Atlanta, Dallas, the Jets, the Redskins, and the Saints. So that's five pretty easy matchups aside from the Jets probably because of their, their revamp secondary. But none of those teams last season ranked, uh, or all of them I should say outside the Jets, ranked in the bottom nine in schedule-adjusted uh, defensive passing net expected points. So our our past defense metric and number fire that's adjusted for strength of schedule. All of those teams were bottom nine teams. So mm-hmm. that's a great early season schedule for Bradford. We know the upside is there in that Chip Kelly offense. And I think that he's just like, you know, you play on the first week, you play in the second week, maybe you don't play him against the jets. Uh, but in general, you're going to probably get three usable weeks out of him in those first five weeks of the season. And that's pretty freaking good to start the year. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I will say that you got to get your boy, Sam to wear a different uniform and different shoulder pads because his look is so bad. No NFL player looks worse in an NFL Jersey than Sam Bradford. I don't know what's going I mean, he, he's wearing like the Marino shoulder pads and and jersey from like 1993 it's it's right. he's gotta he's gotta check that at the door anyway i i'm not the thing is it's crazy like i'm not a bradford guy whatsoever yeah. in terms of like what he's like i've written bad articles about sam bradford it's just the situation's good this is one of the situations where like like it's okay that you like a player even though you don't think he's that good in fantasy because fantasy football is a different game than real football yeah i mean that's that's kind of the the the, the 
the fight that never ends is is the yeah, exactly. difference between the perception of quarterback the quarterback position in real football and then in fake football so yeah totally um well you know i i feel like you know we could just play a greatest hits of carson palmer right now but oh, i yeah. find myself uh i find myself you know just waiting and waiting and waiting on quarterback obviously um like we do and and getting carson palmer in the 13th 14th round um <clears throat> again i guess it's the it's the knee it's the legs you know uh, i guess he he has cadaver legs at this point in his career but uh you know he's he he looks he looks good this this preseason he the, everyone says the coaches the players say that he's back you know there are no concerning reports about you know limping or swelling or or anything like that so you know i mean i just i like him in that bruce arians offense i like his weapons um mm-hmm. and uh you know he was on pace what was he on pace for qb7 numbers last year yeah, and efficiency. I mean, it wasn't even fake either because the the expected point stuff that we work with, he was a top six quarterback efficiency wise. Yeah, so I just don't think anything has changed, uh, except for that you know he had another uh, catastrophic knee injury, um, which apparently is funny to me, which is awful. But uh, <laughs> he, um, but he's, but he's, you know, he's he's back in the same position. His 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 role is not questioned. I, I just I don't see the downside at that at you know you get him for free you see if he can go like last year and if he can't for some reason then so what I mean you can get someone else um, he's yeah and he's got another good week one matchup last year was if you recall it was we streamed him last year against San Diego uh huh uh-huh. and that in that I think it was the last Monday night game the, of the of the two Monday night games and he scored like two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter but mm-hmm. um and I think he finished with three but. Uh, he plays the Saints, I believe, week one this year, and the Cardinals are two point favorites, I believe, in a forty eight point over under game. Wow, really? So that's that's good news for Palmer. I mean, that's a perfect late round quarterback streaming type that you should target. Yeah, no, I, I'm and I'm definitely going to have <clears throat> uh, pretty big exposure to to Palmer in a week one uh, DFS too. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, he's just a guy, you know, I, I really like Eli and I've talked about that on the show a lot. Um, and and Tannehill, but you know, sometimes their price, it depends on who you're drafting with. Sometimes Mm -hmm. if they go in the eighth, ninth, 10th round, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to take them there. So, um, so I, you know, then I end up with Palmer. Um, I will say about Eli real quick. Uh, I think, and, and I had this, the same, the same, uh, perception, that Eli, I thought that Eli was garbage before OBJ's breakout and really good after that breakout. It turns out that he averaged one uh, less, one fewer fantasy points per game right. that uh, in the first half of the season than he did in the second half with with uh, Beckham going crazy. So that was that's not you know that narrative is not true at all, and I think it's really hopeful for for anyone who hopes that Eli can be an every week starter. Yeah. I mean, the thing too, a lot of that, a lot of the Eli down the stretch had a lot to do with volume too. Cause they were, they were just throwing the ball more. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that, that's um, true. He had what is 68% of, of the plays were passes. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll touch briefly on the next guy uh, just because there's not too, too much to talk about, but it, I, 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 I'm really loving the value even more of Brashad Perriman. Um, 
his ADP is falling so much because he just can't get on the field because of his injury. Um, it's essentially making him a flyer in fantasy drafts. I've gotten him in MFL 10s in the 12th round recently. Um, the reason I like him is pretty simple. It's because of opportunity. I mean, the number two wide receiver spot in Baltimore is pretty much up up for grabs, even still. I mean, no one's running away with that job whatsoever. Uh, and the only locked-in targets in that offense is basically Steve Smith and to kind of a lesser extent, Justin Forsett. So it's opportunity-driven, I think, as a result of all that. If he gets healthy and gets on the field, he could easily step in and see 100, 110 targets, and we wouldn't even we wouldn't even blink. I mean, it's it's a very, very good situation just given the competition there. The Ravens will probably finish bottom half in the league in pass attempts and, and dropbacks, uh, but at the same time, you know, Torrey Smith le- leaves essentially 110 to 120 targets in that offense, uh, and that's that's something that that's that Perriman can just kind of step in and take. Yeah, I I'm I'm with you. I, I don't end up taking him uh, a whole lot because just in leagues that I've been in, he's he's going a little too early for my taste still. Because yeah. because I, I think the people are on to what you're saying. I mean I mean like savvy right. savvy owners are on to what you're saying. I'm not. I'm definitely not not reaching for him per se. But uh, I think you know once you get into that that range of veteran guys like the Colstons and the Boldens and the, and and the, you have to, this is a classic case of weighing how your draft has gone. So if in the, in the early part portions of your drafts, let's say you go wide receiver, wide receiver to start your draft, then you're probably gonna be more inclined to pick a guy like Perriman, who's more volatile and more risky. Whereas if you go running back, running back, and maybe a third running back in in the fourth round, then you're going to want to take a little bit higher floor guys that are safer, that, that have proven talent. So that's kind of where you have to feel things out, uh, and generally because uh, you know, just in general, I think that there's reason to believe that Perriman will hit value, especially if you're getting him in the double-digit rounds now. I mean, that's just it's insane to me. Yeah, I, I, well, where was he going in like June, June, July? I mean, some people started taking him in like the sixth and seventh round, and that's 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 where like I I wouldn't take him in season long or anything like that. Even even I have a ton of best ball exposure to him, so I'm basically just not drafting him anymore, which sucks because his his you know his his value dropped, uh, but or his his round his ADP, um, but you know I think I think that there's I, I would the eighth round is generally where I would start looking at him depending on where. Uh, you know how you drafted early on in your draft. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you there. Um, if uh, <clears throat> as far as receivers go, uh, another guy I ended up with him last night in the draft. I I, I did. Um, uh, I got uh, Eric Decker. I got him for three dollars in a, in an auction draft with a budget of two hundred. Uh, so it was you know basically almost got him for free and the 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 stat that that makes me maybe most bullish on decker is from uh pat thorman from pro football focus uh he looked at games in which decker ran 25 routes or more um which um that you know 25 routes is not exactly a full uh pass route workload for a receiver um you'll find you'll find that a re- the most the most starting receivers are running 35 routes or or 40 routes a game um but in those games in which Decker ran 25 routes last year um he was on pace to be a top 10 fantasy receiver so mm-hmm. you know that it just it when he was playing when he was healthy um he was actually really good um and yeah you know, not not just sort of good, but really good. So, 
um, you know, with I think that Fitzpatrick is is an upgrade over Gino. I mean, I know. We, yeah, I do too. I know we, I know we, we, we are Gino apologists to a point, but we're also Fitzpatrick apologists. So where do you, oh, yeah. where do you draw yeah. the line there? Um, uh, but I mean, he has the better beard, so that's who we're going to go with. Well, I mean, Gino, that's who I'm going to go with. Gino can literally grow a beard. I mean, it's pretty clear. Um, right. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I just, I think uh, to me, Decker is a guy who, you kind of scrape up late in the draft and uh, it gives you, uh, you know, great depth at wide receiver. Um, you might even, you might not even start him to, 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 to start the season, but uh, you know, an injury or, you know, he, he proves his value and boom, you can just plug him in. So the next guy I'm going to talk about. So I talked about Andre Ellington earlier in the podcast and how he was very, very efficient his rookie season but had a very, very low success rate. So what that basically means is that he was so efficient because he had really big, big, long runs. We have a two-year sample on Andre Ellington now. We have one, his rookie year, as I said, he was really efficient. And then the second one, last year, he was the worst running back in the NFL, according to number of fire metrics. Uh, a lot of people will point to the foot injury for that. Uh, I don't think necessarily foot injury is going to cause you to have a 3.3 yards per carry. I think there's more to it. Part of that, of course, is because they didn't have a good quarterback. Their offense was essentially as bad as Jacksonville's down the stretch. But I think that there's reason to believe that a guy like David Johnson, who's a guy that I'm targeting a lot in fantasy drafts, is the better value this season. So you have Andre Ellington, who's usually going in the fourth round, sometimes the third round in PPR leagues. David Johnson is now a double-digit round guy because he hasn't done much other than that preseason game where we saw him actually run pretty well. I mean, he got... He started dancing at the line of scrimmage to start the game, which is, you know, basically, you know, people, a lot of people say that David Johnson is just another Andre Ellington where they, they dance at the line of scrimmage and they're not guys who, who cut, who hit, who hit the middle of the line uh, and, and can be that in between the, the tackles kind of runner. But I think the difference with David Johnson is we know Andre Ellington can't do that. We already know Andre Ellington is a dancer. We already know that Andre Ellington is that kind of runner. He's, he's a change of pace guy. Whereas David Johnson, we don't know that yet at the NFL level. David Johnson ran a faster 40 than Andre Ellington. He's bigger than Andre Ellington. And he's just as good of a pass catcher as Andre Ellington. I mean, there's a reason the Cardinals went out and drafted him in the third round this year. It's because he's better than Andre Ellington. So I think putting that all together, David Johnson, a guy that I'm targeting a lot because I don't think Andre Ellington is a 200-plus attempt guy. I think the Cardinals don't think that Andre Ellington is a 200-plus attempt guy because every action that they've made this offseason kind of shows that. They invested in a running back in the draft. And I, the third round is is now an investment in the at the running back position and in the NFL draft, let's be honest. Uh, they invested in the running back position. And then they, they got Chris Johnson as well. I mean, if they really trusted Andre Ellington, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that Chris Johnson is a guy that's going to take over Andre Ellington's role in that offense. But I am. But getting that... Yeah, but, but but you are, Denny. But getting but getting a guy like Johnson, I mean, they, they clearly want more running back help because Andre Ellington just isn't the guy. I it blow, like I understand why he's being drafted where he is, but we can't use his volume from last season to project into this season because I don't think the volume is going to be even close to what it is. Not only that, you have three healthy receivers now. You have another David Johnson can can catch balls on the backfield. He could be the third down back at the very least to start the year. 
And that means Andre Ellington's gonna going to basically only get volume on the ground, which doesn't help his PPR cause. So, you know, I, I just I'm I'm very much more into David Johnson's value than I am Andre Ellington's. Well, where where are you getting uh, David Johnson? Um, I mean, well, my home league draft, I bought him for a dollar in a fourteen team auction, but yeah. um yeah, which was crazy. But he's still I mean, in MFL tens, he's still a double digit round guy. Uh so to me, it's a it's a, a very easy pick for me if you're in, if you're in the tenth round or later to get a guy like David Johnson. Yeah, I I agree on on Ellington. I think that Ellington is uh, for me. He's going at least two or three rounds too high at his current ADP, mm-hmm. and so right. I'm not I'm not interested on on several yeah. levels. Yeah, I mean he's just it, I I understand because there's a big tier like drop in player tier when you get to Andre Ellington, and that's kind of the reason I think that people are like, oh crap, I don't have a running back. I'm going to just select Andre Ellington, and that's part of the reason why he has a high ADP. It, uh, because they need a running back, and it's just forced because of position scarcity. But that's really not the way that you should be drafting. He's going before, um, before Stewart. Right. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it doesn't make any sense to me. What what is what is that about? I don't know. But there are people who really really love Andre Ellington, and I just I think you know sure Andre Ellington could end up being a top fifteen running back this year. I don't you know that's part of his potential outcomes. But I want a good process whenever I'm picking my players, and I think good process says that Andre Ellington has a lot of red flags. Yeah, well, but okay, he could be a top fifteen running back, but he's being drafted as a top fifteen running back. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, totally. And his floor is pretty awful. Oh, his floor is a disaster. I think. Right, I totally agree. All right, hit hit us up with your next guy. All right, uh, well, I guess we'll 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 get to tight ends here. Um, I sure. I, uh, um, I I see Larry Donnell as uh, a cheap, a really cheap investment in an in offense that I think will be pretty good in the Giants' offense. Um, I know, look at Donnell was a non-factor once uh, Beckham uh, broke out last year, um, and and I know that I, I think he averaged um, twelve fantasy points before OBJ's breakout, and then he averaged five or six points after. So mm-hmm. I, I get that. I also get that his blocking has been a concern. Um, so his snap count obviously is, is a concern because of that. So you can get him for free in your draft. Um, for, from everything I've read, they, they want him, the, the Giants want him to be their, their starting tight end in a very tight end friendly system. Um, uh, uh, McAdoo's, um, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Giants, his system uh, um, ideally has a, a, a huge role, a huge pass catching role carved out for the tight end. Uh, mm-hmm. and he's taught he's talked about this so very openly um, over the past two years. So I I I just think that, that Donald um, I apparently he's lost some weight, apparently he's improved his blocking. Um, and I think that if Donald can can secure that starting gig, uh, he you know, I mean, it doesn't take much to be a top ten tight end. I mean, that, that's not right. saying much. When you say that a guy's going to be a top ten tight end, that means that, you know, that means that he's probably just a streamer unless he's a top five. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. You know, uh, um, uh, but but I, I do think that 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 you know that those prospects are on the cards for him, uh, and um, you just get him. I, I find myself getting him and uh, Kobe Fleener as two, you know, two tight ends attached. 
to uh, potentially explosive offenses. You know that mm-hmm. just um, just just to put it simply, uh, those are those are two tight ends I end up with a lot. Nice, nice. I'll I'll stick with the tight end position and I'll go to our favorite fat guy, Jason Witten. Fatty. Um, so over the last five years, Witten's in PPR leagues, he's ranked first, fifth, third, sixth, and ninth in fantasy scoring. That's cumulative. But per target, his fantasy points scored. So a lot of people see, you know, he ranked ninth last year. Oh my god, like Jason Witten sucks now. But we have to realize that the the Cowboys didn't throw the ball nearly as much as they had the the years prior. So Per target, his fantasy points scored have been 1.94, 1.74, 1.58, 1.86, and 1.83. So last season, his his per target fantasy points scored was really no different than what we've seen over the last. It's pretty much average. And according to the net expected points metrics that we were metric that we work with, it was actually last season was his most efficient season of his entire career. Wow, which is insane. I mean, a lot of that has to do with how good Tony Romo was, but still, I mean, it's crazy. He saw 19.1% of, the, his, of his team targets, uh, which was the, his lowest over the five-year span. But let's not, let's not just, just sniff at 19.1% of targets. I mean, that's, that's essentially a top five uh, uh, target share among tight ends in the NFL. And right now, you can get Witten in the double-digit rounds. Uh, I think he has I, – I honestly, I think I have Witten as like my tight end six. Yeah. I- entering, entering the year. Like, I, I don't – like I understand he's not sexy, and I, I was actually having a conversation with someone on Twitter today where he said, "Because he's fat, that's why he's not sexy." <laughs> I was I was having a conversation on with someone today on Twitter who was like, "Yeah, but he's really inconsistent," and this is and it's like tight ends are inconsistent. Like that that is the nature of the tight end position. Jason Witten still had more top twelve performances last year than all but four tight ends. So he's his inconsistency. When you're comparing it to nothing, of course, is inconsistent because he plays the tight end position. But I think in an offense that's going to throw the ball more due to re- natural regression and not having Demarco Murray, uh, I think Witten's a really, really solid pick this year, and I think he could e- easily, very easily, be a top five tight end in PPR leagues. Sure, I, I, you know, I mean, Travis Kelsey was a part-time player for half a season and was a top six tight end last. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. Uh, I, I just, I find myself just buying up pieces of that Dallas passing game because mm-hmm. they're, they're bound to throw it a whole lot. Uh, yep. This year, so I, you know, uh, Witten, um, uh, Terrence Williams. Even though I don't, I don't really love him as a player, but he's, he's available for so cheap. Uh, Des. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I have, I have a ton of Des. Uh, um, you know, it's talking about tight end consistency. I, I, I've heard that too. And yes, best tight ends are not consistent when you compare them to, say, uh, Julio Jones or right, you know, right. or Demarius Thomas. Okay, but that's, right. you know, that's that's not that's not even compared even compared to like scrub wide receivers. A lot of tight ends aren't that consistent. I mean, even even Rob Gronkowski. I mean, dare I say, Rob Gronkowski oh. is not as consistent as. Top wide receivers are. It's he's just not. I mean, that's the nature of the position. We're gonna have to delete the delete this uh, podcast and start again. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's uh, you're you're right. You're definitely right. My God, Gronk. Oh man, Gronk. Anyway, we'll we'll come and get us. Do you want to talk about your? Uh, there's a tight end that we both love, probably more than any other tight end this year. Yeah, I mean Tyler Eifert in the tenth or eleventh round is just you know I, I just it's money to me. I, I don't know I. I know we don't have much on field on the field sample size for him because he's been injured. Um, but 
um, you know, I think that that you know the way that Cincinnati coaches are talking about his role, he you know Gresham is gone. Don't ask me why that matters, but it does. Uh, he had like eighty three targets last year, right? I, yeah, I mean, I I just I I don't understand why you know, he's a thing. Yeah, why Eifert was was you know being supposedly like held back or in some sort of snap timeshare with <laughs> with Gresham, right. but but anyway, uh, um, so he and he's a he's a just a giant. Uh, red zone threat, and really, I mean, AJ Green is a is a is a I think from what I remember is a somewhat successful red zone guy. But uh, Eifert profiles as that team's main red zone threat. So mm-hmm. I just I see I see even if even if he doesn't rack up a ton of catches and a ton of yards, I think his touchdown potential is is fantastic. And I I, yeah. I find I find that that you know he. He's being sort of ignored until the, the late rounds, and I'm happy to scoop him up. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I said this like a month ago that, uh, I mean, not, I don't want to be that guy who just likes it, but th- I'm, I'm saying, like I said like a month ago, I think Eifert is this year's Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Like, I, I think I think it, it may, like, injured last year, coming off because, because people don't know, people might not know his athletic ability, coming off an injury, Entering a fairly efficient offense, kind of middle of the road offense. Uh, the only the, the difference is that Kelsey didn't have as much competition for targets, but Andy Reid made sure that he did with Anthony Fasano and and so on. So Kelsey didn't get didn't necessarily get on the field as much as he should have. Uh, and and Eifert's competition for targets is kind of this weird situation where like Mohamed Sanu could kind of play in the slot and so on and, and, and steal some of those looks with Marvin Jones on the outside. Cause there are a lot of weapons there and Gio Bernard out of the back, out of the backfield with, with of course, Jeremy Hill, uh, who's, who's way, way better than Gio Bernard. Um, but you know, I think, I think the volume is the concern, but I think at the same time he could very easily still hit 80 targets mm-hmm. in that offense. And, 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 and really you have to look for touchdowns at the tight end position. That's what, that's what it correlates str- more, strongly to their fantasy output than any other position in fantasy touchdowns right and you know the other similarity between uh eifert and kelsey is they're both big white guys yeah ex- that's uh, the number one comparison that we all have to remember right and uh so um you know that yes. uh that, that this is that's our, our white guilt comp for the day yes <clears throat> yes uh i'll i'll hit up one more dude um do you have any more that you want to talk about no i'm i'm all out okay so I was actually tweeting about this before we got on the podcast, but uh, I'm I, I, Anquan Bolden, man. What the heck is the deal? Uh, you know, what the heck is the deal? I, I don't understand what the deal. Like, what are the like? What are people doing right now? He's 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 being drafted as wide receiver forty four on Fantasy Football Calculator. Like wide receiver forty four. He finishes wide receiver eighteen last year. Wide receiver fifteen the year before that. And now he's now he's wide receiver forty four. Okay. Woof. He's he, Marcus Wheaton is being drafted one pick after Anquan Bolden. On there. Oh my God! Mark, Marcus Wheaton. Mar, I, I said that I said this on Twitter as well the other day. Marcus Wheaton, like the 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 only things that are going for Marcus Wheaton right now are an August depth chart and Ben Roethlisberger talking out of his ass is what what's happening with Marcus Wheaton. Wow. Like, it's just it's it blows my mind that anyone people are like oh this is gonna be Marcus Wheaton's breakout year because Ben Roethlisberger who always talks out of his ass. Is talking about Marcus Wheaton strong and, and having a breakout year. Strong take here. I like it. I like it. It's super hot. I know, but like, <laughs> it's so real. It's so real. Marcus Wheaton's terrible. He's so anyway, bad. I know. I know. This is not. This is not about Anquan or about Anquan Bolden. I'm talking way too much about Marcus Wheaton. But look, 
Anquan Bolden's never finished worse than wide receiver 35 in 12 years in the NFL. 12. He's never finished worse than wide receiver 35 in PPR leagues. Uh, you know, I understand that he might not have wide receiver one upside, but the guys that you're drafting in the 10th, 11th round, 9th round even, those guys really don't either. You think that they do because guys like Josh Gordon come out, guys like Odell Beckham, who mostly went undrafted last year, those guys come out of nowhere and so on. But like the bust rates in that area is so, so high at wide receiver that you're getting a sure thing, a usable thing in Anquan Bolden still that late in the draft. And that's still important to have that balance on your fantasy roster. So, I mean, just all of it together. I mean, he's going to get a hundred targets pretty easily in that offense. Game script isn't going to favor them. It's going to, they're going to have a lot of negative game scripts, which is much bigger volume wise for wide receivers than it is quarterbacks. Cause attempts don't really correlate to fantasy success at the quarterback position, but it sure as hell does at, at the wide receiver position. Right. So I think just given all of that, Anquan Bolden's kind of a steal right now yeah. uh, in fantasy drafts. I mean, he has been all summer and he's not moving because of it, because of his perception. Here's a crazy stat. So, you know, I do a lot of like the top 24, top 12 performances just to kind of give you an idea of how this guy performed weekly, right? The thing that people say is Anquan Bolden doesn't have a ceiling, right? And I agree, season long, he doesn't have a very, very good wide receiver one ceiling no. uh, in, in terms of how he would, but, but last season, Denny, uh, he had as many top 12 performances as T.Y. Hilton and Alshon Jeffrey. Holy, Wow. Yeah, I know. And so the, so the reason that he was ranked wide receiver 18 is because he was buoyed by those big performances. But still, even if you look at top 12, 20, sorry, even if you look at top 24 performances, he was still a top 30 wide receiver in terms of PPR. And now he's being drafted as a wide receiver 44 for absolutely no good reason. I mean, it, it makes it makes no sense to me. Even if you think there's a drop off, it still doesn't make any sense. That's something. And if, if Anquan Bolden doesn't, if he, if he plays 16 games and does not finish better than wide receiver 40, you guys can destroy my mentions. Just destroy them. Oh, no. Because I, I don't see how it will happen. Yeah, I'm getting a new co-host. Uh, yeah, oh, for sure. That's Yeah, you're, I'm fired if this happens. <laughs> no, I, I, I have uh, the, the fantasy equity scores have Bolden, at, I think, at worst, like wide receiver 27 and at best wide receiver 19. Sure. Yeah, but and the, like those guys are fine to have in your fantasy roster. The idea that you only should be drafting upside in the la- in the later rounds, or you should only be drafting boomer bust guys throughout yeah. your draft, doesn't make any sense. Because if you're only drafting boomer bust guys, then in a given week they can all bust. Like that. That's that's just how things work. And, I mean, you need balance on your roster, and Anquan Bolden's like the perfect just you know bi-week filler for you to a guy to have on your bench to kind of sit there and just come in especially in good matchups throw him in there and he's going to produce i mean even worse uh in a given season those guys are all going to bust so right uh, yeah i i think if you try to win your league with every pick um i think that you're going to get burned more times than not. yeah exactly exactly he's not a he's not what people would call a league winner but but that's not even like, is that a thing? I don't know if that's a thing. I, I guess, like, I guess there's a thing like, like, you know, people would point to like OBJ last year. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Josh Gordon. Yeah. But, I understand. Yeah. But not everybody, A, has to be a league, a league winner, a week winner. Um, and, uh, and, and B, not everyone can. I mean, both. Right. And you, and you don't need them to win your league. Yeah. But that Bolton doesn't have, I'm not going to say, 
I think that there's no chance that he finishes as as a top ten or twelve wide receiver. But but I don't care because he's available so right. late. I mean, he's available. Right. It doesn't matter. He's available after guys who you know, to my view, have no chance of being a wide receiver too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That that you have to play the probability game, and you have to understand. You have to just be as real as possible with your valuation of players because. There's a lot of guys that are that go in those middle rounds who look really attractive right now, but at the end of the season, I mean, it, just given history, it, they're just not going to be good. That's how they bust. That's just how it works. That's fantasy football. There's a lot of ambiguity in those middle rounds, and Anquan Bolden is as safe and smart as you can get. Yeah, that's like that's that's my campaign for him. Yeah, I know. Where our Bolden takes are similar. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the the Twitter questions. That's it for us with our our players that we're targeting. Um. We will start with at hide from friends. He says Janice, Ty Montgomery, or Devontae Adams. I think we we know that. It's Adams, yeah. Yes. Uh so it's definitely Adams there. I think that you just have to kind of play it out with the other guys. I'm I'm a little bit higher on Janice, but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't it, that's just more for upside. Um same guy, he said, is going Des and Demarius at one point one oh and two point oh one followed by Evans in 3.10 at 3.10. Uh, too risky with running back question marks later on. So going three wideouts to start your draft. Uh, for, for me, I, I, I've I done that this season, and I like it. Um, um, I think, you know, e- Evans uh, definitely has a, a low floor, and but I also think he has a very high ceiling. Um, so that, that, but you know, you're not going to be able to get three locked in wide receiver ones, obviously. Um, I like that approach because then I scoop up, uh, Jonathan Stewart, uh, Doug Martin and Ryan Matthews. Yeah. If you can, I mean, and plus if you're in a 10 team league as he is given, he's at the turn, Oh, um, a 10 team. Yeah. Then it's even easier to do that. Cause there's going to be a little bit more running back flexibility. Uh, and then, uh, in what round the same guy? In what round is Wayne a draft value in New England? Uh, what I'm saying round. I'm saying round infinity. Yeah, round six thousand. Yeah, six thousand and sixty-three. Yeah, is is the round? I just All I right. just did the math. Okay. <clears throat> yes. This next one is from at Steve Smith Beta. He said, "When will I be able to buy a Jesus Smith shirt?" Uh, I told you at the beginning of this podcast, even though you clearly didn't listen to this podcast before you asked this question, that we will have a Alex Smith Jesus shirt on the site soon. Soon. Uh, this is at Jamie underscore Gomes. We never got Denny's answer. I think they ran out of tape. Chocolate covered cheese, terrible or nah? Well, here's how it goes. I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> no. You don't? Do you, have you ever had chocolate covered cheese, Denny? Well, I was on Rotoviz Radio, and Matt Freeman asked me, uh, gave me a long, told me a long story about his experience with chocolate covered cheese. Mm-hmm. And he wanted my take on it, so I gave him my take. Um, in his, uh, I'll say, ar- uh, artistic freedom, he decided to cut the answer so in a soprano esque turn. Uh, he cut the cut my answer and just played played music over top of it after his uh. question, so no one knows. And I'm going to keep it that way. I don't know. I'm not giving anybody my view on chocolate covered cheese. Good. I think you should keep that hidden. 
Uh, this next guy at distract distracted David. He said, "Depends on league size, obvi, obvi." <laughs> but do you tend to to value lottery ticket running back, wide receiver for last bench spots or second QB to stream with? No, no. I mean, no, no second QB in a ten or twelve yeah. to, ten or twelve team league. No. Yeah, agree. Uh, this is at Cremson six eight seven. Always hear you guys talk about which round you value QBs in, e.g. Peyton in the seventh. Uh, it's more like the eighth to be on TBH. How do you determine when it's a value? We kind of talked about that in the on the one podcast. Um, you just gotta kind of feel things out, make sure that you feel good at at your other positions. I mean, it's not an exact science because if it was an exact science, then I mean, it's like impossible to be because every draft is different. Yeah, I mean, but but what I, I would take Rodgers and Luck in the fourth. Yeah, the fourth is usually what we said, and then the eighth-ish is, is the other kind of gut check. Maybe seventh if you feel good with what's going on. But only those elite guys. Right, but here's the thing. You're never going to get them there, so don't worry about it. Yeah, right, unless you're in expert drafts because everyone devalues quarterbacks. Uh, this is at Salvage Phoenix. He said, hoping not too late. Uh, for the to 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 send in questions, starters are two running backs, three wide receivers, and a flex with basic QB, tight end, kicker, and defense. Should I target wide receivers early and grab value? Sure. Yes, we're okay with that. This is at K Robinson four seven eight one. When drafting in a novice league, where all QB ones are drafted rounds one through five, best to just hammer running back, wide receiver mercilessly and stream QB. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, yes. I had a similar draft. Just I just want to tell the story real quick. So for draftdayconsultants.com, we we help people draft. Uh, I had I had a a client on Sunday who had a draft where people I swear to you were taking defenses in the fifth round, were taking kickers in the seventh. It was wow. a catastrophe. Ten uh, quarterbacks went off the board in the first two rounds. Ten. Wow. Yeah, in a one quarterback league, it was a debacle and this guy ended up with with a team that it it's 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 beauty made me weep. Let's just <laughs> let's just say that. I mean, I'm talking like this guy is like Jordan Matthews as like a deep bench player, okay? Wow. Uh so so yes, if that's happening, then yes, just just hammer away at wide receiver and running back until until I mean, you could you could even get a guy like Eli in a, in a draft like that, you could get Eli way deep in the draft because everybody freaked out and took their quarterback early. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, this next one, Last Jedi on Earth, he said, what does losing the great white hope, Jordy, do to Lacey's uh, outlook? Uh, what do you think? I mean, I think it's going to be pretty similar in general. I mean, Lacey's, like, w- what can it really do to change his outlook? I mean, he's still a top three running back. I mean, they're top four running back. You can't really get, change much from that. Yeah, I, I don't. I didn't change my projections at all. Um, I think I think that that offense will still score a lot of points, and, and apparently they want to they want to uh, you know be more aggressive with um, with the pace of their play. Uh, so yeah. that's great for Lacey. Right. This is at Joe underscore Zahn. Matt Stafford just keeps falling. Better value if available in late round. Eli Stafford or Ryan Tannehill? Uh, for me, it's Tannehill, Eli yeah. Stafford. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Stafford's really bad, guys. Yeah, he. I, you guys need to get over it. He's the most. Medi- he has the. He's just the most mediocre quarterback you can find. Yeah, he's awful. The most replaceable. 
Next one is at Joe Son of Joe. He said, what's the most you're willing to pay in an auction for Devontae? His ADP going through the roof. Same with Mike Evans and Abdullah. Um, I, you know, if, if you have a $200 budget, I think it's fine to spend in the 30s on them. You just have to kind of see how people are spending. If they're spending undervalue on players, then obviously note that whenever you're going to draft a guy like Devontae. But I think... You know he's he's essentially like a fifth round wide receiver now. Or do you agree, Denny? Maybe even fourth. I mean, I I would take him in the fourth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you you know just kind of translate how that works. Look at guys who are going in that range ADP wise in snake drafts, and then relate that dollar value to Devonte Adams. Um, the same guy he said only started listening middle of last season. Man. Missing out, dude. Yeah. Uh, he, he said, which NFL player is most likely to be the singer behind the theme song? I thought that was a good good question. <laughs> um, I say John Kuhn. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I was going to say J.J. Watt, but then I'll throw up in my mouth. <laughs> We're going to say John Kuhn. John Kuhn wrote the theme song yeah. and, 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 and delivered it. Beautiful. Uh, this next one, it's time for Timmy. He said, would you rather never eat corn again or only be able to get your hair cut twice a year at Supercuts? Oh, my gosh. Definitely never eat corn again. <laughs> Dude, okay, I don't go to Supercuts, but I do go to the greatest of clips. Yeah, well, but you don't go twice a year. Do you know how long no, my I hair would get? You're that would you can you can we start a campaign for you to not cut your hair? Uh, no, I'm not Davis Maddock. I'm not I'm not cutting <laughs> my hair down to like my mid back. No, no, <laughs> that's, that's mid back hair. That's not that is not happening. My hair already like I got it cut like like four weeks ago, and it is already so uh, long and, and unmanageable on top. I can't even deal with it. So so no corn for me in that scenario. What about not eating corn for a year? Or not using crew gel for a year. I could find a replacement. No, okay, okay, okay. Not <laughs> not being able to style your hair for a year. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? No, listen. You guys are <laughs> underestimating my vanity immensely. <laughs> I, this is this is a huge, huge miscalculation. Uh no. I look at corn's fine, corn's good, I'm into corn, not that much. Okay. All right. That's good to know. <laughs> this next one is at Steinman underscore. He said, have you watched Hard Knocks this year, Denny? Um, is th- No. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then we're going to skip that question. I've actually watched it. And he's asking, is, is, J- is who's harder to watch, J.J. Watt or Brian Cushing? Brian Cushing is probably the douchiest human being in the NFL. Seems like it. He's oh my god, the biggest douche. It's so bad. I, it's so bad. I've never watched an episode of Hard Knocks. I've, I've, I'm told that I should. You should. It's it's entertaining. It's fun. Uh, next one is at Andrew Schmidt twenty four. He said, "Can you talk about exceptions slash nuances with LRQB? Meaning, how do you change strategy with sixteen team leagues, yardage bonuses, etc." Okay. Very simply, like we you know we've said this a lot on the podcast before, but. The bigger league you are in, you have to feel out how many people, how many quarterbacks are going to be rostered, and if they're going to be rostered a lot, then your strategy should be to platoon the position. So, add maybe two quarterbacks and then play by matchup from there. Add two late roundish guys because I mean, those kind of players are still like Tony Romo. So you know, add those kind of players, platoon them, and so on. If generally speaking, if you're in a ten or twelve team league, you you can stream easily. Correct. Yeah, I'm. You agree? Yep. <clears throat> okay. 
Next one at the underscore real underscore Kurt question for JJ. How do you feel about guys in the back end? Uh, I went on the, the fake goods podcast this past week with, with rich rebar and Chad Scott. Uh-huh. And there was a question of where do you, where do you like drafting? Like which spot in the draft? And I said, I, I don't know why I said it, but I said, I, I, I said this phrase. I said, I really like it in the back end. Well, there goes our podcast. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what happened. And now it's not only out to their demographic of listeners, but now it's out to our listeners as well. That's what I said on the podcast. It was embarrassing, but I, I owned it and I said it. You know what? Uh, um, I think we have a new t-shirt idea. I don't know. <laughs> that's just that's just my opinion, but yeah. Uh, this next one is at Fantase Nut. Said that's what it, it's it's at fantasy, but there's a there's an e instead of a y, so it's at Fantase. This this show is taking a turn. <laughs> Standard league keep three each year. How would you rank Hopkins, Hilton, Melvin Gordon, Abdullah, and Gore? Essentially, I think that we would both rank Hopkins and Hilton top there. Yeah. And then who so essentially since it's a keeper league, you probably don't want to keep Gore. So, who do you like more, Abdullah or Melvin Gordon? Abdullah. Yeah, me too. Okay, cool. We we own that. All right, next one is uh Ball is Tim. He said LRQ LRQB choices for MFL 10 draft only and what rounds targeted. Uh, you know, I would I would suggest that you listen to the Best Ball podcast that we did. There was a few episodes ago. Um, you know, just get any kind of late round quarterback. I mean, usually it's the eleventh round onwards is where those you know reasonable like Tony Romo type guys are dropping off. But you can still get away with you know playing Alex Smith and Andy Dalton as well as your QB two with like Teddy Bridgewater in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denny, why don't you answer this one at Todd Johnofsky. He said, thoughts on Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, I call him uh, Matey Bridge Matter. Yeah, he's super mad, right? He's just a mad guy. I don't know. I mean, I get like, no, you know what? No, I'm not going to go with that. I don't get why my Twitter timeline is bursting with Bridgewater love every time he comes on the TV screen. Like, oh, can't wait to watch Teddy. Can't wait to watch Teddy. Oh, my God, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. Is it because... Is it because um, you know he had that bad pro day, and then and then he ended up not being terrible? I don't know. I don't know. He's not exciting to watch. He's very boring to watch. He has a weak arm. Is he not particularly mobile? I I, I don't. I oh my god, my my microphone is is on fire right now. <laughs> it's like, I don't get. I I don't enjoy watching him at all. So. Oh man, the hottest of takes oh. here. I'm not even going to give my opinion on Teddy. I just want listeners to to leave it at that. Okay, all right. Uh, my 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 mouth is on fire from that take. Okay. Yeah, it should be. It's like you just ate 18 fireballs. <laughs> <laughs> this next one's from at Geigertron. He said, assuming Tyrod Taylor ends up starting, where would you rank him among quarterbacks? Number one overall. And then he said, also, which name is best, Ty God, Ty Goat, or or Thyroid? <laughs> 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 thyroid i'm gonna go with ty, ty goat i like a lot yeah so i mean we both will like taylor as as a streamer but we're not like going we're not going to go out and like draft him correct uh, denny don't even 
<laughs> Don't even. You already just just spat the the hottest take imaginable with Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> We can't have we can't have that. like if you do that my entire office will just go up in flames. It's like a tie rod greater than greater than greater than Bridgewater. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. Uh, the next one's at Ducalion. He said recent Foster news is optimistic. He could be back end of September. Thoughts on redraft spot slash auction value? Um, I I'm still really not like taking him because. Even though it's optimistic, uh, well, actually, I'm not taking him because I already own so much of him. <laughs> but uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I think like the I still think it's it's risky because you have to hold him on your bench, which is a really underrated thing. Maybe like the sixth, seventh round still, if you're looking at uh, you know him coming back week five, let's say. Um, I can speak to the auction thing. Uh, in my two hundred dollar auction yesterday, I got him for five dollars, and I felt really good about it. Wow. Okay, that's really good. Yeah. I mean, you got to play it out because it's it, he's a value that's just going to be so sporadic. You know, in different in different leagues, you just kind of have to feel it out and how your team's going. Um, this is at DP Football One. He said, in a fourteen team standard league, the drafts running backs early. Would you take McCoy, Hill, Forsett, Gore at the fifteen? 14-15 turn. So, who would you take out of McCoy, Hill, Forsett, and Gore in a standard league? I would I, honestly, I'm I, at that turn. I'm only taking Jeremy Hill. I really like Forsett's uh, PP standard. Standard Doesn't, though, yeah. yeah. Well, all right. I guess Hill. Yeah, I can't. I just. I don't know. I don't want to like change your mind on that. No, it's just I mean, <clears throat> like I I just I think that we're gonna see you know that same sort of thing that Forte had last year and the year before, where there were games where Forte would rush like ten times for twenty five yards, but end up with like twenty five fantasy points. But again, that's PPR. So yeah, in a sixteen team league, this is at Shakar Manor. He said, uh, "Which two quarterbacks do I draft? Because the wire will be dry as a season long tandem." Did you do any any? tandem work yet with quarterbacks no i haven't i haven't either there's an article on on number fire that uh, uh if you search you know something like i think uh aaron watson wrote it he's a great writer over there he it's called like exploitation theory oh. uh streaming quarterbacks or something like that and there's there's a a good list of tandems on there based on schedule yeah i saw that that was good yeah the next one is at salvage Phoenix, he said, looking at just drafting running backs and wide receivers early and often taking streaming positions very late. Good draft strategy. Yes, that is that is exactly what we want yes, you to do. That is our brand. Yes. This is at Bootstrap 44, standard 1QB league where the default rankings have all quarterbacks very high, in parentheses, Alex Smith in the eighth round. Does this change LRQB strategy? I think we already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is at Nevy J. He said... Keeping Le'Veon in the fourth, Jeremy Hill in the eighth. Go best player available in early rounds, hammer wide receivers, or dare I say, Gronk in the first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, the, the whole idea of best player available doesn't make any sense. Even in, even in the NFL draft, it doesn't make any sense because your best player available is not the same as someone else's best player available, number one, because best is a subjective term, right? So, like, BPA is not a thing. Even if you're looking within yourself only and you're taking best player available, you need to pay attention to position scarcity in fantasy football. Like you can't ignore position scarcity when you're drafting. You can't ignore what your team needs when you're drafting just because you have a guy like Le'Veon and Jeremy Hill. So long answer short, no. Don't go best player available. Draft 
for value. Draft smart. Yes. This is at Bel Eric. He said, in streaming QBs, is it wise to draft two? No. I mean, no. You... Again, yeah, it goes back to the size of the league yeah. and so on. Ten, ten, ten team, no. No, I will uh, go, come to your house and headbutt you if you get to put back to the ten team league. Uh, this is at it's time for Timmy he said in .5 PPR two running back three wide receiver flex how top heavy at wide receiver should you go so we're getting these same questions a lot yeah I mean you know here's the overarching thing that I keep in mind is if if your draft is going if if you know running backs are just flying off the board early that's when I like to cut against the grain and scoop up wide receivers. If it's the opposite, which it usually won't be, then then I go running back. So it just it really like I hate to say it, but it it depends on the flow of your draft and the preference of your league mates. Yeah. Uh, the next one is at Jonathan S. Foyer. He said, in a league where the goal is to score at least amount with regular starters with standard scoring, who are your top ten best? The least amount. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Andre Ellington. Yeah, no, definitely take Ellington. Uh, yeah, uh, I would take. If you want to lose, take Andre Ellington. Um, man, oh, so like. No, I mean it's just it's just essentially who would you yeah. who would you not want to have? Right, right. Oh no, who who would we want to have if we're trying to score no points or, or yeah, right, the right, point. exactly. Um, yeah. so definitely take a guy like. Uh, who do we hate? <laughs> just, I don't even know. Uh, we should have done a hate podcast. Yeah. God, we should do that. Yeah, I'm. I'm we're gonna do it, but we we are coming up probably next week, guys. Get ready because we're gonna have the hottest of takes with our bold predictions podcast. Oof. Oh God, you seriously wear your flame retardant suits because oh, it's gonna be incredible. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have my firefighting helmet on. <laughs> it's gonna be great. All right, two more questions at Jaredactyl. What fantasy phrase makes you cringe the most? One of them, his example was, "My defense is on a buy this week." Oh has to be tops on the list in a, in a PPR league. Yeah. Also, um, the, uh, you know, Oh, well, you know, luck in the first makes sense with six point touchdown passes. Oh my God. The worst, Ah! the absolute worst. It's so annoying. Uh, uh, this last one, actually, this is more of a statement. It's not a question. This was actually pretty funny. This is at 80 underscore J-Rod. He said, re-last pod, lived down the hall from yeah. from Jason Witten in his, at his th- in his third year in college, was the most down-to-earth football player. So yeah. we might hate on Jason Witten because he's fat, but I would say, we don't. I would say he, just, he runs like an overweight man. Yeah, but he's going to produce in fantasy. I'm sure he's a great guy. No, look, but a lot of tight ends run like, like, like fat guys. Like Antonio Gates, my God. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Runs, he just runs like, or Marcus Colston, another yeah. who who runs like he's you know not on eggshells but on actual nails. Yeah, in in quicksand. Yeah, nails embedded in quicksand. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like when you're playing Super Mario three in the sand the sand world world two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just you're going you're trying to make that jump from from one one piece of rock to the other and you just get stuck in that stupid sand and then. And then Lakitu, I know Lakitu is. Lakitu is the guy who flies up in the air and throws the throws the things at you. Oh, really? Yeah, that's his name, Lakitu. Oh. I'm such a nerd. Jeez, you are. 
he comes in and he starts throwing stuff at you. That's Marcus Colson. He's in the sand. He's like Mario. Well, he learned how. I think he said in an interview recently. He learned how to run by watch, by playing Mario. So that's it, right. Marcus Marcus Colson is really good at Super Mario Three. <laughs> in case in case you guys were wondering, he's super super good at it. But anyway, all right. That does it for the questions. That does it for the podcast, Denny. Let everyone know where they can find you. Uh, plug here. So listen up. Draftdayconsultants.com <laughs> is is my site. Uh, this is a very busy time of year for us, a very exciting time of year. We're, we're connecting uh, fantasy owners with consultants before and during their drafts and after. Uh, so, you know, if you really want to destroy your draft, like I was talking about earlier with that client I worked with last week, then, um, you know, check out the site and uh, see what you see. Uh, my my articles can be found at thefakefootball.com and I'm on Twitter at cdcarter13. Awesome. Uh, I'm JJ Zacharyson. You can see me on Twitter at LateRoundQB and then my work over at numberfire.com. Don't forget to follow the Living the Stream podcast on Twitter at LiveTheStreamFF. Nice. And at the same time, go to lateroundqb.com slash shop. And buy a shirt and feed a child. Feed a child as in me. I'm just joking. It really does go to children. <laughs> we promise. No, it does. See, now we're just being like sarcastic. Now everyone thinks that we're actually just pocketing uh, this money. Crap. No, we're not. I promise. <laughs> we're not. No, we're, this is us being real for like five seconds. But we are. It's, a, it's an important thing for us. So support that. Yep. Uh, it's not about supporting the podcast. It's just something that you can kind of interact with the podcast in a way. Uh, and, and really, you know, we all have this common, uh, interest in fantasy football and obviously our listeners have a common interest in, uh, the things that we say and the strategies that we push in fantasy football and a way to kind of come together and to do something good about all of that is to buy these t-shirts, put them on your bodies and let us feed children. That's right. Yes. All right, guys. Thanks for listening next week. Get ready for the hot takes. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LakeGroundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we share about the team.